tonight. I know you all got busy plans for Christmas and everything that's uh, that's going on. Praise God. I want to encourage you. How many of you have never taken a mission trip? Can I see your hands? How many of you would like to take a mission trip sometime? Just see your hands. I have been so impressed uh, with Impact Africa and what Faith Hassett is doing over there. It's absolutely marvelous. And they're reaching out to other nations in Africa, but primarily they're working in South Africa and Zimbabwe right now. But what has really impressed me is, and we saw some of this in the South Sudan, but because of the culture and because of a lot of things that happen over there, sometimes when women become pregnant, they just, they don't abort the baby like unfortunately we do here in America, and they don't want them. They just have the baby and just leave it wherever they have it. And so what Af- Impact Africa is doing, we have one baby like that in South, uh, in, in the Sudan or now in Uganda, blessing. Uh, they found her in a dump. Uh, the, the mother had just gone and had the baby in the dump and just walked away and left the baby. And they found the baby, and blessing is just, she's now five years old. She's just a beautiful, beautiful child. But what they're doing through Impact Africa they're creating uh, a lot of, of publicity on baby saves and, and, and not trying to condemn the women that want to get rid of their babies, but just basically saying, when you do what you do, go to a baby safe, put the baby in there, and there's an electronic device that sets it off immediately to the workers, and they immediately go to the baby safe, take the baby, take the baby to the hospital, nurture the baby, and then through a process, bring it through an adoption uh, a situa- uh, uh, organization that they have there. It's just phenomenal what they're doing over there. And so uh, for about a six-day, eight-day trip, uh, I don't know what the cost factor is going to be. Faith is going to be talking about all of that. But they would like to reach out to churches in America, send people over there. And I think it's an awesome opportunity. So I would encourage all of you to pray about it, and, uh, and it would be a wonderful thing. So come on uh, Thursday at 6 p.m., and we'll talk about it. So... Well, let's make our confession. You all know it? The Word of God. Wait a minute. Before we do that, where are the visitors again? I didn't get a chance to see our visitors. One, two, okay. Well, let's give our visitor a warm welcome. We are glad that you're here. And now let's make our confession. We got it up there. You all know it anyway. Let's say it. Let me see the hands of all the people who have learned that the hard way. (laughs) Turn to your neighbor and say, I now know the truth. You can be seated. It's good to have all of you here. As I was praying about this message for tonight, uh, I felt like the message is one reason, one season. And uh, as you know, that in the natural realm, we have many different seasons that come and go, spring, fall, summer, and winter. And uh, getting ready to enter into winter right now. But then if you study and, and, and if you get really involved as a theologian and really study the word and go in depth with the word, which that is truly not me. I am not a theological scholar. But you can hear words such as eschatology and end times and dispensation periods and all of that. But I believe the word of the Lord is that we have one season and we are in it right now, it's the final season, and we have one reason. And that season and that one reason is God's love for mankind. And we're going to talk about that tonight. 
because it's so important to understand how much love God gave for us and how much we need to let funnel through us to other people. And if, if we don't do that, we can become ourselves a little bit judgmental, especially of somebody that's doing what we used to do. Can I see the hands of all the people that, that meets what you have seen and experienced in your life? Why are they doing what I used to do? Why don't they get set free? I got set free. Why aren't they set free? But it took you a while to get it too. Is that right, Hubert? It took you a while. It took us all a while to get it. We didn't get it overnight. So what we've got to do is make sure that we're walking in the love which God has for us. I heard a cute little story. I hope I can get it right here because I didn't write it down. <coughs> what would have happened if God, instead of sending three wise men, had sent three wise women and uh, three wise church women instead of the three wise men? Well, what they said was that, first of all, they would have gotten there on time because they would have stopped on the way and asked directions, and they would have got there on time. And then they would immediately help with the birth because they got there on time. Then they would have cleaned the stable. Then they would have made a casserole so everybody could have hot meals. <laughs> and then above all, they would have brought diapers. <laughs> I, I thought that was a cute story. Now, you know the story. I'm not going to read it all to you, but the story about, about how the angel appeared to Mary and hand-selected Mary and told Mary what was going to happen to her. And she said, how can this be? I, I've not known a man. And, 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 and the angel shared how the, the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon her and she would bear a child and, and it would be Jesus. It would be Emmanuel, God with us. And that finally after she contemplated all of that, then she said, let it be done to me according to your will. Let's all say that. Tell your neighbor that. Let it be done to you according to the will of of God. God has a will for each one of us just like he had for Mary. And all through the old covenant, you can look at, at periods of dispensation, of covenants that God made with mankind. But all of those things fed into the new covenant. Isaiah chapter 9 talks about the government would be upon Jesus' shoulders and, and, and all of the things that would come out of him. But what was the one reason what was the reason for the season of Jesus? What is the main reason? You, you can give a lot of different answers. You can say, well, it was grace. It was God's grace. We'd have unmerited favor. And it was forgiveness. We would be forgiven of all of our sins. All of those things are right. But there's one reason and one reason only that all of those things flow. They flow out of John chapter 3.16. And you all know that scripture well. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Then it tells why. And it tells all of the things that came out of that. But the main reason for the season is that God loved his children so much. And that Jesus came because of the love of God. And he was given to this earth to set us free, certainly, and to forgive us of our sins when we would come to him after he defeated the works of the devil. But never forget, it was the love of God that sent Jesus. As I study the Old Covenant, and as I study the New Covenant, I thank God I was not born in the Old Covenant because I would not have made it to the New Covenant. I would have been stoned many times along the way because the Old Covenant, God never changes. Everybody say, God never changes. So I don't want you to 
to think I'm giving you some kind of a bad theology here, but how many of you like me have found that the temperament of God in the old covenant seems to be different than the God of the new covenant? I have certainly found that to be the case, and I thank God I was not born in the era of the old covenant. But in the new covenant, God's love is totally manifest for all of mankind. Now, we know that God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 tells us that God is love and that what happens to us is that we, we understand his love, we receive his love, and then we begin to walk and talk as an epistle, like Jesus was, of God for him, and we carry that love everywhere that we go. Now, every single one of us have challenges and situations that come into our life. But we are equipped by God, if you know Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to get a smile on your face, to get the radiant look of Jesus on your face, and everywhere you go to love people who may or may not love you and may not even care for you. And if you smile at them, it just makes them a little bit more angry, but you have the love of Jesus in you to share it with other people. <clears throat> Somebody heard me sharing a few weeks ago. Uh, I was talking about... Uh, love and I was talking about loving your children and loving your grandchildren and everything and and I made the statement to him I said I said our children think we like our grandchildren love our grandchildren more than them because of the things that we do to them and the way we treat them and everything and just we just tell the kids we just say well we know what we're doing now with you we experimented but with the grandchildren we now know what we're doing and uh, and you know they they would all laugh and I said matter of fact I saw a bumper sticker one day and I've never seen one since. And the bumper sticker said, if I'd known grandchildren were going to be so much fun, I'd have started with them. <laughs> well, I have now, not on my car, but I have now a bumper sticker because somebody in that service went online, found the bumper sticker, and got, me, got it to me for Christmas. So I'm going to put it on the table at home where I have all the pictures of the grandkids. If I'd known there'd be this much fun, I'd have started with them. Now, we understand that's not true. We love all of our children. But what happens is, is many times we kind of get confused that we're to go from glory to glory and that everywhere we go, we have the answer for hurting people. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you have the answer for hurting people. You don't have to look for hurting people. They will find you. How many of you found hurting people already this week? You go to the grocery store, you're going to find. I, can't, I, can't, I, was, I went out to pray this morning, and I got a call from the church, and they said, there's a man here who needs you right away. And I said, what's his problem? He said, he's just devastated. I said, okay, I'll be there in five minutes. Came right in. was able to minister to him, uh, give him some money, some benevolence money, and send him out. And, 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 and those things, we, we are now on this earth as imitators of God, as dear little children, to share the love of God everywhere that we go, because that's the season we're in. This is the season that's going to last until the rapture of the church. When, <coughs> when is the rapture of the church going to be? We don't know. John Hagee said it could be any minute. He believes everything is in position for the rapture of the church. I don't know if he's right or wrong, but I think it would be a good idea to be prepared. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think it would be a good idea to be prepared. <coughs> so, what are we going to do and how are we going to walk with the same love that God had for each and every one of us? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word agape love is the definition of the love that we're talking about. And this is the definition of agapeo love. 
unconditional, it's a choice, it's a deliberate act of the will, and it will always, always seek the highest for their fellow man. How many of you have got some people you are not demonstrating that to? May I see your hands? Because they drive you up the proverbial wall, because they haven't gotten it yet. You used to do that to somebody else, but they never gave up on you. And what we've got to do is to set ourselves to walk in that love everywhere that we go. No matter what people do, we are going to show them unconditional love. Every single one of us need to improve in that area of our life. You might say, how do you know? I just know. Let me see the hands of all the people. You know you need to improve in that area of your life. Just there are some things that just upset you, drive you up, as I said, that proverbial wall, and, and they seem to happen all the time, and you seem to want to give your two cents worth instead of just loving the people right where they are and say, look, it's going to be all right. I love you. It's okay. That's how God feels toward us. That's why he sent Jesus. God cannot change who he is. Thank God. Because he is love. And he loves his creation. And you and I are his creation. And when you study the word of God, it is so powerful that when, when, when Philip came to Jesus and, uh, and, and asked him, when are we going to be able to see the Father? And, 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 and Jesus said, Philip, have I been with you so long that you don't realize it? When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. What Jesus was saying is if you've seen me, you've seen God. So if we understand and know Jesus by the Spirit, we have seen the Father. And he was manifest through the Son. And the Word of God in Galatians 5.1 says that we are to be imitators of God as dear little children. When somebody is angry, when somebody is upset with you, when somebody doesn't like the way you're doing things, if you just love them in return, you can penetrate their hard-heartedness. But what happens a lot of times is we accept that stuff, we meditate that junk, and instead of being soft and tender toward them, we start to become hard ourselves. And then we are not giving what God wants us to give because we're supposed to imitate him in everything. The, w when we talk about God's grace, that flows out of love. God's grace is his unmerited favor. The fruit of the Spirit flows out of God's love. The fruit of the Spirit. Faith flows out of God's love. It's, it's, it's love that, that actually powers our faith. Faith worketh by love. Everybody say that. Say it again. One more time. We need faith to grow, to go from glory to glory where God has called us. We need faith to increase. It, it is as a grain of mustard seed, but we need faith to increase as we go about moving forward with where God is. So therefore, we need a manifestation, a higher manifestation of God's love. We should never be upset. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you came the right way. You should never be upset about anything. Being upset is basically saying, I'm taking a time out from walking with love as an imitator of God, and I want to get over here at the devil for a while, and I want to work with him, and I'm going to give you two cents of my mind, which is about all that's worth that you're about to say. Because what happens then is we get in the flesh. 
And the longer we stay in the flesh, the longer we stay away from the things of God. God's season of love is from now until the rapture of the church comes. And there's no greater story for me than the story in John chapter 8. And it's the story illustrating, I believe, the love of God when the woman caught in the act of adultery. There are a lot of stories that you can point to about God's love. But to me, as you study the Old Covenant and as you study the New Covenant, it was a no-brainer in the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, a woman caught in the act of adultery was to be stoned by the law of Moses. She was to be stoned right on the spot, and you only needed two witnesses. But when they brought her to Jesus and threw her down on the ground and said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, what do you say? And Jesus didn't even seem to be startled by what happened. And he was writing something in, in the sand, in the ground there. Who knows what he was writing? Maybe he was writing love. Maybe he was writing uh, grace. Maybe he was, who knows what he was writing? But when he finally looked up and he said, let whoever is without sin cast the first stone. And, and it says one by one they walked away from him and until they were all gone and the woman was standing there with him. Now, at that period of time, this would be one of the worst sins you could commit. And she's standing there with the Son of God, and the Son of God looks at her and says, where are your accusers? You don't need to raise your hand, but how many of us have ever been an accuser? They're doing this. They're doing that. How many of us have ever been a gossip? Instead of praying for somebody, we're telling somebody what the other person did. How many of us are standing aghast in love, speaking the word of God over the people versus describing the sin that's in their life? I've been guilty of doing that, and my guess is you have been too. But <clears throat> Jesus standing there, looking at this woman, said, where are your accusers? She said, well, there are none. And what did he say next? Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. He came with the love of God that does not cancel the old covenant. The new covenant completes the old covenant, but he came with a new school of thought. No, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. He set her free right on the spot with the love of God. I don't know what she was doing when she was in front of Jesus. You've seen different pictures of Jesus in the movies and things of that that have been made uh, where there was a woman of God acting out the part. She was trembling. She was crying. She looked horrible. I'm sure that's probably what it was. And she thought she was going to be stoned to death, but in the next moment, she was set free. How many of you got some things in your life and your past that you could have been stoned to death in the old covenant? Many of us would raise our hand and say, yeah, that could be me. But because of the new covenant season, we're walking in God's love, which is absolutely his will for every person on the face of the earth. And when you study it, you realize that that's one thing that we have total ability to release in our life. 
to love everybody, everywhere, every time. There, there's, there's something about, about loving people, smiling at people, speaking a good word about people, telling them it's going to be okay when they know, they, they, they know what they're doing is terrible, that just lifts them up and that we have that ability. Everybody say, I have that ability. You turn to your neighbor and say, we've, we've got that ability. What if the body of Christ were mobilized, just this church, but the whole body of Christ, and that everywhere we went, we were just loving people. We're in the grocery store, and we're loving people that run over our toes with the carts. We're loving people who cut ahead of us. We're just loving people everywhere that we go, and people look at us and think, you guys must be so weird because nothing ever bothers you. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's how we're supposed to be. Jesus never lost it. Well, he did with the money changer. But Jesus never lost it with the sinner. He lost it with the religious leader. He didn't leave it that way. But, but you understand what I'm saying. He was very hard on the religious leaders. But he was never hard on the sinner. There is something about people that will walk in love that will draw people to them when they're really hurting. And that love is so easy to let go. You either are walking in the spirit of love, the fruit of the spirit is love, or you're walking in the flesh. And when we, when we understand how to do this, it, it's, just, it's just an awesome thing that we have. Now, in Matthew chapter, uh, Mark chapter 12, I want to give you this scripture here because, <clears throat> well, let me just ask you this question. How do you feel if you have children? How do you feel when somebody loves your children? and does something kind for your children. You, you absolutely love them. With your grandchildren, how, 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 you know, how do you feel about that? Uh, how do you feel about those things? My, my, uh, w- my one uh, daughter-in-law, Kim, she's, she's told me so many times when I've been around her, she said, I just love your son, Darren. Do you know how good that makes me feel? She could have said, you know that Darren, he never picks up after himself. You know, he never, he never takes the garbage out. I don't know whether he does or not. That's between him and his wife. But all she says is, I just love your son. That makes me feel so good. I just love that girl because she loves my son. And when you, when you understand the importance of love, it breaks down barriers, and it makes people want to have what you have even though they don't know it. Have you seen the hardness on people's lot faces when you've been out shopping and you've been out doing things? I think some of those people are probably Christians. I don't really know. But, but when you get that hardness on your face about focusing upon the things that you have to do, your priorities, all of that that are apart from what's the most important thing, this season that we're in from now until the rapture is not about Christmas trees. It's not about exchanging Christmas presents. It's not about ornaments. It's not about spending money on gifts. It's none of that stuff. I think that all came out of the uh, uh, influence of merchants uh, to make sure that we had the great Black Friday, Black Saturday, or whatever they call it, and all of these things about presents. That's why some people say they like Thanksgiving better than Christmas, because at Thanksgiving you don't have to buy any gifts. You just sit around and eat turkey. Well, this, this is such a powerful time that sometimes we lose the very meaning of the season because of the hectic pace of the season. i got to get five gifts here and four gifts here, and will they like that and will they won't like that. May I see the hands of anybody that relates to what I'm saying right now? And, 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 and then the most important time of the year at Christmas and Easter and the most important time of the year at Christmas 
And sometimes we just can't wait for it to get over so that we can rest. But right now, this is the time when people are very open to the things of God because they're so stressed out and they don't have the answers. I believe in, in Mark chapter 12, and I know you've heard this scripture before, but it's such a powerful scripture talking about <coughs> the, the scribes. They came to Jesus <coughs> and asked him what to do about the woman who was caught in the midst of adultery. Now they come back again. I don't know which order it was. But now they came to Jesus and they say, okay, what is the greatest commandment of all? Well, you'd want to pay attention when, when you're talking to somebody that they, they thought was, was a rabbi, but, they, but they, 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 they respected him enough to ask him. And then one of the scribes said, what's the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus said, well, here, O Israel, the greatest commandment of all is to love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, if we do that, loving God the way he loves us, and loving ourselves, everybody say love myself. That's where a lot of people miss living this message. When I was first saved, <coughs> the hardest thing for me was not to try to love other people. The hardest thing for me was to love myself because I know I got what I got saved from, and I know the things I did. Some things you've heard about in some of my messages, some things I pray you'll never hear about. Uh, <laughs> uh, <coughs> every once in a while we get somebody that shows up in this church that went to school with me. Uh-oh, there's my wife. Uh, <laughs> somebody will uh, show up in, in our church. As a matter of fact, Larry Campbell, Melba is still on the mend with her knee replacement, but uh, Larry Campbell came to this church when he heard I was pastoring uh, about 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. And I said, Larry, what are you doing here? And he said, I heard you were a pastor, and I can't believe it. I had to come and see what you were up to. And every once in a while, we get somebody that comes in from way back there. When, <coughs> when we started this church, my wife wasn't with me, but uh, I don't think you were with me when I went to that story. We, we were looking for a house, and we were up at what used to be called Five Points. It's... Uh, Bill, what is it? You know all those things. It's up there by Highland Park. It, you, anyway, regardless, there's a real estate office there. And I stopped at this real estate office, and I went in, and I said, we're looking to uh, perhaps buy a home later, but right now I just want to rent a home. And she said, well, yeah, I'll take your information. What is your name? And I said, Bill Mixer. And she said, Bill Mixer. She said, are you the Bill Mixer that went to Jefferson High School? And I said, yes. And she said, and you're a pastor? And I said, yes. She said, my God, there's hope for all of us. I said, do you, do you know me? And she said, yes, I went to school with you. And you're, what? <laughs> now, when I, when, when I was first saved and I would hear this message of love, I wanted to love other people. But how many of you realize you cannot love other people the way God wants you to love other people unless you love yourself? Because what you'll do is you'll restrict the flow of love because of the way you feel about yourself. You've got things in your background that you just like me. You, you, maybe you've shared with some people and some you don't want anybody ever to know about. It. It's just between you and God. I understand that. But <coughs> you've got to be free from that image of guilt and shame. And that's why the Word of God in Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ who walk according to the Spirit and not the flesh. And that we get to the point in our life when I feel about myself. Now, I try to do this. I really do. Some people would think, think it's arrogance. Some people would think it's pride. I believe it's the will of God. 
I try to love myself the way God loves me. And I know God is not looking at my flaws. God is looking at the plan he has for my life. And when I miss it, I know God loves me. And when I do something that isn't right, God loves me. When I say something I shouldn't say, God loves me regardless. Let me see the hands of all the people that sometimes you say something you shouldn't say or do something you shouldn't do. And what it does, it brings the devil. Is it sin that you're doing something? Probably. But it brings the devil. Now listen, this is so important. Sin does not separate you from God's love. Sin separates you from God loving you because you feel inadequate to be in his presence. Does that make sense? In other words, when you do something that isn't right, like saying the sons of the pioneers, right? Is that right? The sons of the pioneers. I just thought about that. That's a private story, but I'll tell it to you later. But what, what happens is you get to the point when you do not let anything detach you from God's love. God loves you when you're good. God loves you when you're bad. When you do something that's bad, you should repent immediately, get rid of it, don't pretend like it didn't happen, and come right back into the presence of God and love yourself the way God loves you. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? Would you wave your hand? Okay, I understand. Because what happens then, if you don't, it will take you off the field It'll put you in the bleachers. It'll put you on the, on the sidelines because you're, you're hurting, because you don't feel good about yourself. I know when I feel good about myself, I can be used by God. I can smile at people. I can love people. I can tell them you're going to make it. You go through the McDonald's line and you see the little girl in there working for a minimum wage and her head is hanging down and she's not happy. And you say, this is going to be the greatest day of your life. The reason I said that is because I said that one day to the girl. And she said, how do you know it's going to be the greatest day of my life? And I said, because Jesus loves you. And she just got this big smile on her face. How many times have we gone through McDonald's, myself included, hurting, dragging your tail because of something you did? And the little girl there needed what you had, but instead of giving her what you had, all you did is got your hamburger, your hot dog, or whatever. You can't get a hot dog at McDonald's. Like a burger came mixed up in there. You know what I'm talking about. You're not doing what God wants you to do because of the way you feel about yourself. And sometimes we can get this message all mixed up that God loves me when I'm good. That is true. But also you've got to know that God loves you when you're bad. How many of you got children? How many of you have more than one child? How many of you love them all the same? How many of you, some of them, you've got to watch closer than the others? We have six children between us. We love them all the same. Some of them we definitely have to watch closer than others as we, as we were growing up. And some of the stories that now come to the forefront is like, oh, my goodness, I'm glad I didn't know about it at the time. But what happens then is that we get mobilized with this love and that we will not accept a bad thought about ourselves. We will not accept guilt or condemnation because it doesn't belong to us. Matter of fact, let's say this. Guilt, condemnation, doesn't belong to me. So when you feel guilt and condemnation, you know that's the devil working. When you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, now listen real carefully. When you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that is the love of God working. That is the love of God saying, Brad, you're going the wrong direction. You need to tell Sandy you're sorry for what you just did. <laughs> you, need <laughs> you, need 
That's all I said. Been there, done that. Because if you take a moment to feel bad about yourself, you're taking yourself out of the lineup, and you're not able to be used the way God wants to use you. Don't ever feel bad about yourself. When you do something wrong, when you say a word you shouldn't say, when you do something you shouldn't do, say, God, I repent. I know I have an advocate seated right next to you, God, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I repent of what I just did. Now I'm right back in the game again. And somebody might say, well, do you know what you just did? Say, not, a, not unless I think about it, but I don't plan to think about it because I already got it covered. I was forgiven for it. Now I'm going to go on and I'm going to be used mightily by God to share the love of God everywhere that I go. Just think about this, what I said earlier. Honey, you weren't in here when I said it, but, you know, you, you've had people say good things about our kids, uh, you know, and, and, and it just it makes you feel so good. I, I use the example of how a couple times, more than a couple times, I've been around Kim, and Kim will, Kim will just say, I just love your son. I, I just, that makes me feel so good. And when think about that. Every person on the face of the earth is a child of God, either right with God or wrong with God. And we may be the only person that can influence their life for eternity. I had a call this morning from Joe Levitty down in Atlanta. Uh, he called, and some of you know Joe. His father led me to the Lord. And his father, uh, I, 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 I'd never met anyone quite like him when he took me out to lunch and, and then took me into a little room of, of the First Assembly of God Church over there and said, Bill, you need Jesus in your life. And there was something about him that just drew me to him. I thought he was kind of weird, but what I found out later is he was one of those peculiar people that we are. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are a peculiar person. Because that's the way the Bible describes us. And when we understand that there is a role for us to play, you will never know when your next smile at the restaurant, the next smile at the drive through window, the next smile in church with somebody that you don't know, if, if you're not thinking about all this stuff that you have to do and you're just thinking about, I'm on assignment from God. And I don't know why, but I continually think that word from the Blues Brothers movie with the blinking brothers or whatever they call it. And they say, I'm on assignment from God. And people just, it gets their attention. Can you imagine? I heard this story, and then I'll close with this. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the books I read about Smith, he was in a restaurant. <coughs> and he was sitting in the restaurant. And just sitting there minding his own business, he ordered his food. And he just looked around at all the people. And he realized that nobody had prayed before they ate. So he just started clanking his glass. Not mean, just clanking his glass. And pretty soon everybody looked at him. And he said, I've noticed that none of you have prayed before you had your meal. I'm going to pray for everyone right now. And he prayed for the entire restaurant. And out of that, the busboy or the waiter that he had gave his heart to the Lord. Now, what would happen if everywhere we go, People would look at us and think, why are they so happy? Why are they, why are they smiling all the time? What are they up to? It, it doesn't matter what happens. They just love me. They don't complain that their food is cold. They don't complain that the service is too snow, snow slow, whatever. <laughs> they don't complain that their mouth doesn't work. In other words, they're just full of love. You all love to be around people like that. But that's the way 
we're supposed to be. Let's stand to our feet. I believe that there is one reason and there is one season. And this season is to take Jesus and the love of Jesus to the world and that the entire world needs what you have. I'll say that again. The entire world needs what you have. Turn to your name and tell them. The entire world needs what you have. And there is one thing that we have absolute power over. You can't necessarily determine your destiny. You can't determine a lot of things about your life because you're not really sure. But one thing we have the ability to do, we have the God-given ability to love anything, anywhere that moves. Anywhere that moves. I'm going to close with, I, I said I was going to close earlier, but now I'm going to close in a minute. One of the greatest stories of love I've ever heard was a man that came to me one day out in Tulsa. And Vicki, <coughs> we were directing the Bible school for Billy Joe and Sharon. And he came up to me, and he had been a student there, and he was ready to graduate. And I knew him, but I didn't know anything about his background. <coughs> and he said, would you like to know a little bit about my background? I said, yeah. And he said, I, uh, as a young teenager, I got hooked on drugs and alcohol and then I finally got set free I was going home one night <coughs> police cars all over the neighborhood and at my house because my mom and I lived in there and when I got home I found out my mom had been murdered and he said it just devastated and I went back into drugs back into alcohol and just spent many nights on the street went on in his life for about three or four years then somebody led him back to Jesus. During that period of time, he felt he had a call on his life. And he prayed, and God showed him what he wanted to do. He went to a prison ministry, showed him how to do it. And he did that for a number of years. He's in heaven now, but he did it for a number of years. But before he went into the prison ministry, he decided to come to Victory Bible Institute and said, God, I'll do whatever you say. I'll serve you all of my days. Everybody say that. He prayed that prayer, God, I'll do whatever you say. God spoke to Stan, and he said, I want you to go to the prison, and I want you to tell the man that murdered your mother about my son Jesus, and I want you to witness to him, and then I will release the floodgates of what I have for you. And he said, Pastor, I said, no, I will not do it. And he said that it didn't, it wasn't a heaviness on him, but it never left him, never left him. And one day, he said, I just began to cry and to cry and to cry. I said, God, if it's really you, I'll do it. He went in to see the man in the prison, told him who he was. The man broke immediately, repented, asked his forgiveness. The man received Jesus. Don't know whatever happened to the man. For all I know, he's in heaven now. But the young man that was the VBI student went on to found a prison ministry that is still going today after he has gone on to be with heaven. If our primary focus is just loving people and serving God, it will be a wonderful experience we have day in and day out. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment?